Hey everyone, today as promised we will begin to talk through our recently released statement titled Conscience and COVID-19 Vaccine Mandates in Defense of Sphere Authority. Thanks very much for joining us. My name is Lucas Weeks and the conversation today is with Tim Bailey, Max Corral, and Joseph Bailey. This is the Out of Our Minds Podcast. I'd like to begin, Joseph, by asking you a question. Why was this statement written? What was the presenting problem? Well, we were feeling the need already for addressing a couple of things. One of them was the challenge on on one hand of people feeling more and more pressure was coming down the pike that would be harmful to Christian freedom and freedom of conscience. Uh, And on the other hand, people who were making use of that to justify blatant rebellion to authority. And so needing to address both sides of that problem was why we were working on it. What the elders of Trinity Reformed Church wanted done was they wanted to continue to protect our congregation from the schismatic, divisive leadership of pastors in the Reformed world. Mm. And to do that, you know, with masks, they mounted these arguments and these demonstrations. Then quarantine, that was actually a sweet time in the development of COVID because all of us understood that if you shut the church down from being able to have fellowship and worship together, that this strikes at the vitals of the ecclesiastical authority and of the good of the souls of God's people. And so, you know, everybody supported John MacArthur going ahead and worshiping. Mm. But masks were a wacko issue where it was exploited by schismatics that were trying to build disciples for themselves. And then vaccines became a similar thing. Mm. Vaccines had the advantage for those promoting schism of having people feel on a visceral level that the civil authority was violating them and their children Mm -hmm. by threatening to put them under the ban if they didn't have vaccines, if they didn't carry a card proving it, a passport, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so the very personal our bodies ourselves, okay, mm-hmm. was very helpful to the schismatics in building another wave of of anger. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? And so what I would say is the consistent concern of the elders of Trinity Reformed Church, and I think Evangel Presbytery, yeah. has been to protect our people from coming under the binding of the consciences of schismatics who want to get more disciples from themselves. I'd say that's our greatest concern. Hmm. because we're very willing to have people in our churches and fellowships who have different takes on masks, different takes on quarantines, different takes on on vaccines, you know, mm-hmm. um, different takes on passports. In other words, all of these things you can argue from one side and the other. And depending on whether you have comorbidities, whether you're a vulnerable person, you'll have one position. In other words, all of us have a position that we come to these things from 
that is highly personal and individual. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. We're in favor of people having different positions. Yeah. But when it comes to the protection of the flock from the divisiveness of other pastors telling our people that their pastors are as one well-known national figure in this group, it says we're whores, mm-hmm. okay? We are whores because we don't do what he and the other schismatics tell us to do. Well, our elders see this. They know we're vulnerable, and they know that our sheep are very willing to believe what they're being told by men who say that the government is evil because we've been teaching our people for decades that the government is evil, Mm -hmm. you know? And so they think, well, now let's do something. But then the, the primary purpose of the statement then you said is one thing, and that means you would relegate the protection of individual consciences below that even. In other words... Yes, I would. Okay. Yes, I would say that the protection of individual conscience is one of the many ways in this document that we calm the fears of the sheep and tell them that we agree with them here, we agree with them there, we agree with them here, but it does not necessarily lead to them moving west and joining a group of belligerents. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll, we'll and, and, and if you read through the statement again and again, you'll see that what we're saying are things that are very obvious. Mm-hmm. But we have to say them now because the schismatics are saying we don't believe those things. Mm-hmm. And so it's this very difficult situation where your position is being described by your opponents in a dishonest way. Hmm. And so you have to go back line by line, inch by inch, say, no, there are limits to our obedience. Yes, we ourselves, as David Carell said, have been arrested in opposing the civil authority. No, we're not cowards. Yes, Mm -hmm. we do have faith. Yes, we do believe in the American exceptionalism. A lot of the statement is really about quelling the fears of the distraught sheep who are having outsiders try to pick them off Mm. and bring them into their fold. That strikes me as very different than a lot of the other statements that have come out. Because anybody in the conservative world, politically or in the Christian conservative world, who's going to write a statement about COVID, it's all about protecting the conscience. Well, that's gracious. That's gracious. That's a gracious way for me to put it. Absolutely. Okay. And pastors... Live and die by our judgments of the relative benevolence or hostility, mm-hmm. by the ability to recognize predatorial behavior on the part of religious leaders. Mm. And so when you say to protect people's conscience, I would say yes, or to foment rebellion and build disciples for themselves by fomenting rebellion and talk real fast and have lots of points. Mm -hmm. of fomenting rebellion. Mm -hmm. And what nobody stops to consider is what you win people by, you win people to, Mm -hmm. which is the way one pastor put it to me who was talking about the divisiveness of these men Mm -hmm. in their church. And we've heard this from the very beginning constantly of the number of churches they've divided. Mm -hmm. I heard of three this past week. Mm -hmm. Okay, three just this past week. So I'm pausing here because I want to highlight it because... I think it'd be very easy to read this statement and not realize the significant difference between this one and and many of the others. The word I like to use about this statement is a word that's not often used and certainly not in the flame-throwing conservative reform world. And the word is judicious. This is a judicious document that is meant to say to the sheep, no, 
Don't be harassed and helpless. Don't let those false shepherds out there seeking to pull you out of the care of your shepherds mm. cause you to be fearful and mill about and, and, and maybe even storm, storm the fence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's stabilizing and it's calming. Mm. And it's weird, but it's almost as if in this context and in the environment that we live in today, every, the, the, the sheep of our, of our churches are and our entire the whole the whole communities the communities we live in and all the people are distressed and it's like watching uh, a herd of cattle out in a field mm-hmm. that sees a predator they don't know they're disturbed they're just all they're kind of wandering around and they're they're looking and they're and they're nervous and they're this mm-hmm. and that and mm-hmm. one way to deal with it is to step in and say no no let's interpret what you're seeing correctly and let's look at this the way we ought to look at it another way is to start a stampede mm-hmm. so that you can run them in the direction you want to run them and then pick off the and, weak ones and then yeah then you have then you have a mess mm-hmm. just a mess and the shepherd will lose those that are lame the young and the mothers mm. and we're unwilling to have those who are not the shepherds of our flock, and that's what I mean by false shepherds. Mm. We're unwilling for them to continue to harass and try to stampede the sheep. Mm. And we know our sheep are vulnerable to being stampeded because every red-blooded American thinks that uh, they know best and that they're safest when they refuse to submit their conscience to anybody. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. not true. From the very beginning, our elders have had the position that it's unkind and unloving for us to abandon to the individual sheep and whoever's loudest the decisions about our life under COVID. And we decided at the beginning that we were going to ask our people to do certain things after deliberative assemblies of the session. And so we did. We argued ourselves. Mm. And then we said, this is what we think you should do. And we did the same thing in development of this thing. We had people in the committee that wrote this who were absolutely poor extremes from each other. Yeah. You yeah. know, and we had really good arguments in the development of this document. It's one of the few cases I've worked on where I think that writing by committee actually produced a better document than any individual writing it. Mm. And we're not opposed to the individual pastors and elders having their own opinions about all the things we wrote about. Mm-hmm. But the unity of the body of Christ is preeminent. It is preeminent, and leaders are to protect the peace of the flock, because when flocks are not at peace, it just destroys souls. Mm. And, you know, people can say, well, you know, was the church at peace under the Pope at the time of the Reformation? And the answer is, no, it wasn't at peace. And so, Lutheran, Calvin, and Knox, and all the others came in and said, no, they're heretics. They call you to the idolatry of the mass. Mm -hmm. They're wicked. And here is the safe way. Now, submit to us. Mm -hmm. They didn't say, you know, rebel, 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 take up arms. The church is a whore. Take up arms. That was Munster. That was the Anabaptists. The reformers, the magisterial reformers, were authorities, dealt respectfully with the authorities they were leading their sheep away from, Mm-hmm. and use the civil authorities to reinforce their authority as ecclesiastical authorities. They worked in harmony with authority. In the last few sessions that we recorded, we uh, talked a lot about that sphere authority statement. And one of the st- things that Tim said that I thought was very helpful 
is that if you're going to talk about sphere authority, you don't start with sphere, you start with authority. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have to acknowledge Americans hate authority. We hate authority. We're unwilling to submit to authority. We actually think, we actually believe that there is no, no higher principle in life than to obey what we call our own conscience. And that means to, <laughs> whatever we think, really. We think that is the highest principle. And so in the preface, we talk about the spheres. And we should note that Luther would break the spheres down a little bit differently, that you always have people breaking them a little differently. Luther would put under the family, employers, businesses, okay. stuff like that. Yep. And so the spheres are sort of shape-shifting at times, depending on your theological tradition and, and depending on whether you're in an agrarian society or in a post-industrial society, stuff like that, information society. Joseph, the statement goes on into talking about the present context, and, and then the next section after that is causes of, of COVID turmoil. First of all, let's talk about the present context. It says here, further, in our leadership of God's people, our responses to civil authorities' COVID mandates have tended toward acquiescence or rebellion. For their part, civil authorities have not shown the proper fear of God or respect for the authorities God has ordained over the family and church. How have you seen that in your local context there in Cincinnati, either of those things? Well, acquiescence is certainly possible to see, and that's where people who were trying to defend against will say, aha, see, we had a point, where you have the many, many churches that are shut down and really staying shut down, no mm. meeting and no willingness to be involved in their people's lives or to help them bear the burdens even of legitimate government mandates, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so the sheep are abandoned. Yeah. You get the sense and, that many churches really kind of liked COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like the reality of uh, being able to have an excuse to not do the work that they're supposed to be doing, mm -hmm. not even pretend to do the work that they're supposed to be doing, but that they weren't really doing in the first place. Yeah. So absolutely. In that sense, you have some, some acquiescence that is, willingness to go along with things that are convenient for themselves, but actually destructive to the church. Mm -hmm. we, we've certainly seen that in our context. I mean, the, the, as the months went on with very few opportunities for fellowship, I mean, we just felt that it was really weighing on people. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, you've got rebellion. And there's definitely been a, an attitude of rebellion by default starting off with a lot of people uh on social media but even among churches so we're talking specifically in that sentence about the temptations of religious leaders well when you know what the people are thinking about their leader and you're a pastor you know the temptation is very straightforward the temptation is simply to say what they want to hear. Now you're talking about civil leaders here, or, or yes, but aren't you? I mean, you haven't you seen examples of the the same thing towards church leaders as well? Well, absolutely. But like I said, the context that we're talking about is in that sentence is Christian leaders. Yeah, yeah. and so I'm trying to get at the the leadership saying that there is nothing, there is no need to listen 
to the civil magistrate mm. on anything that there's yeah well i mean they they on anything connected to covid mandates would be how they would start out right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but but the moment that you say that you end up having to expand the things you have to you have to first go to health mandates then pretty pretty soon yeah you're saying well they've completely disqualified themselves by this, 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 and this other thing that are unrelated to health mandates, and therefore we don't have to listen to them on health mandates. And the people are going, well, so how come we have to listen to them at all? Uh, well, and so uh, how come? Well, uh, they don't have an answer for that. And that's where I say you're, you're going to see on the part of church leaders falling into one of those two camps in general, acquiescence or rebellion. Mm-hmm. and. It depends on the type of people that you have in your church, which one is what they want to hear mm-hmm. and how you're going to scratch their ears. But certainly we've seen both of those things in our context here. Yeah, and we've seen that not just in churches, but of course the whole country, I mean, is polarized on this topic, right? Exactly. So taking it outside of the context of the church, for example, I just read an op-ed that was that here in Ohio, there was uh, SB 22 and SB 22 said was, was a recently passed bill that allowed the local legislature to override any health mandate that came out of the health department. Hmm. And so it, it put limits on the ability of the health director or the health department to simply make rules and go on and on. In the Ohio law at first, I mean, prior, prior to this law, there was not a lot of explicit limit hmm. on what the health department or authorities could do. Interesting. And so they decided, you know, we used to have it that way because we trusted them not to be crazy. <laughs> and we under, everybody understood what kinds of things they were going to be doing. But now they've done things that not everybody and not all of us were expecting them to be doing or okay with them doing, and we don't have any way to stop them. So we passed this SB 22 that allows us to have veto power over the health department. Hmm. Right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a great idea. But this editorial that I read said that it was legislative manslaughter to do that. Okay. Because because people are going to die of COVID. Well, yeah, I guess presumably not that there's any specific thing per se that was done or that mm-hmm. has been done by mm-hmm. SB 22, but rather just that you could ever, as a legislature, say to the Scientists. health to the to the health authority, mm. no, you've gone too far and you're not allowed to do that. Just that very idea strikes at the core of the scientism religion. Yes, it does. And so holding the question of rebellion versus acquiescence in that context, right, and saying actually the health authority was put in place and given by the legislature in the first place Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and can be limited or or uh increased at the legislature's will is a defensive authority and it's neither acquiescence nor rebellion Mm 
and it's a beautiful thing. Mm. And so that's just seeing the same sort of thing happening outside of the church context and the importance of it. That's a good thing to bring up, and I'm going to skip ahead because there's a section in this document called Science and the Civil Magistrate, and I just want to read a section of the statement that gets at what you're talking about. Uh, scientism was the word you used. We, it is a religion that we, as a people, have really bought into. At the bottom of page four, it says this, Still, science is no magistrate. It is simply the magistrate's handmaid. God has given science the ability to explain much about the world, but science is unable to tell us why it is so or what our response should be. With respect to the civil sphere, it is not the prerogative of science to pronounce what is wise or to make policy. At its best, science can only provide facts and theories. Knowing that an apple dropped falls tells one nothing about whether the apple should be dropped. You know, I've read articles of on the left in particular where you get the impression that they they would really prefer the government to happen by, you know, straight out of the results of the lab. Whatever the lab results are, that should just automatically become the law. And that's not right, uh, because as it says here in the statement, wisdom comes from interpreting and, and understanding the facts of the case and then making a judgment. The thing I object to, again, is if we come to the whole issue of COVID with an understanding that there are many men in the church who are trying to build their kingdom and using COVID to do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And of course, everybody will resent me saying that that's listening. Right. And they'll resent it because they are unwilling to judge men's arguments on the basis of men's character. Okay? Mm -hmm. This is a foundational matter in the church today that people refuse to acknowledge sinful motives. You cannot understand a man's arguments until you understand his character. Right. And if you refuse to think about his character, you won't understand his arguments. And so I'm saying none of this podcast, nothing we write, nothing we say will make any sense to somebody who refuses to look at COVID in the church today without considering the character of those who are claiming to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Until you recognize that there is such a thing as acquiescence. You will not be weighing properly people's arguments in favor of submitting to quarantine, not having worship, not singing, not doing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But once you understand that there is such a thing as a pastor who is unwilling to protect his sheep yep. and who is, in fact, uh, evil— he mm -hmm. is not a guardian of the sheep. He's the same kind of religious leader that was in the time of Christ, where Christ looked out over the masses, and he said he felt compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. They were sheep without shepherds. Mm -hmm. That's the pastor that acquiesces. Right. And everybody is hypersensitive to pastors who are cowardly, lazy, slothful, proud, hipsters, all this other stuff, and never lift a finger to protect their sheep. Mm -hmm. Everybody who's conservative in the reform world is being acclimated to that being a category of character that's defective. Right. What nobody is willing to do is recognize that there are those who are interested in building their kingdom 
and are using COVID to do that. And it is useful to them to point to the acquiescers and to label anybody who does not go along with their party line Mm -hmm. as being a whore, as one of these pastors called them in in public, you know, just whores, whores, whores. That's the Mm -hmm. churches, Mm -hmm. you know. No, 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 no. There are rebels against authority who are out to build their kingdom and are using the people who acquiesce and are not caring for their flock to build their kingdom, which is a kingdom of rebellion Mm -hmm. and schismatic. Mm -hmm. And so look, as is so often the case, there are true things on both sides. You know, the people building their kingdom are right in in calling out the acquiescers who just simply do what the government tells them to do and don't exercise their sphere authority. Mm -hmm. But the people in sphere authority are right in saying that the rebels and and the schismatics don't care about people with comorbidities Mm -hmm. and refuse to recognize the truths that have been said about COVID Mm -hmm. and are simply interested in fomenting rebellion against civil authorities and other church authorities that don't agree with them. So both sides do have truth that they say. And in the statement, we're trying to show that both sides have error, but also truth. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about this section, causes of COVID turmoil. What we're trying to do in this section of causes of COVID turmoil is really to, and this is a long section. The reason we spend so much time is what you said earlier, Tim, that we're trying to calm the sheep. We're trying to acknowledge that, yes, we do see the danger. There is danger. It is real. We really see it. In the section on present context and causes of COVID turmoil, uh, what the committee made an effort to do is to say that these are the times that try men's souls Mm -hmm. and that there is a division, say, for instance, the United States of America, unlike any I've ever seen in my lifetime. I mean, it makes the 60s look tame. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the 60s, there's a lot, you know, there were riots, there was this, that, and the other thing. But the fact was the nation was not split down the middle electorally the way it is now it's hard to know any any race unless you're out in you know in san francisco and la in other words you know the red blue state division but generally america is divided right down the middle and Mm -hmm. that's why we've had such tense races for the presidency we are hypersensitive to the fact that this country right now is on the verge of becoming what I said many years ago on the blog, a totalitarian state. Mm -hmm. Now, at the time, I got real pushback from uh, an officer in the military who up until then had appreciated the things I said. But when I said that our country is on the verge of becoming a totalitarian state, he didn't agree at all. And I think the reason he didn't agree is he knew how many good people there were still in the military. This would have been 15, 20 years ago, 15 Mm. years ago. And as he saw it in the military, there were many godly people, which is always true. You know, the Mm -hmm. military tends to have godly people in it. But I'm hypersensitive to the issue of rhetoric, language, cultural values, uh, the academy. Mm -hmm. And that's the academy is not the military. (laughs) (laughs) And what I'm sensitive to is the censorship Mm. of the word of God 
that has become the norm in the conservative reform church by means of the instruction of our seminary professors, mm. okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and our Bible translators and our Bible publishers. Mm-hmm. So the thing I'm hypersensitive to being the son of a publisher and an author and the son-in-law of a publisher and author, mm-hmm. I'm very sensitive to the fact that the growing oppression of Christian faith is not in fact masks, but it's language. Mm-hmm. And I have noticed over the course of my life that on a number of basic biblical doctrines, basic doctrines that would be boring to the previous 2,000 years of church history, mm-hmm. I can count on less than one hand the number of people who are willing to say it publicly. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, now people listening might say, oh, that's that's exaggeration. I say, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. I've watched this for over 15 years online. There are a whole host of biblical truths which are no longer allowed to be spoken, even by pastors. Mm. And so pastors have been taught that they'll have conflict in their church if they teach the nature of manhood and womanhood concerning authority. Mm-hmm. And so they don't do it. They pay lip service to it, but they don't do it. Now, I'm going to tell a story which I think is illustrative of this. Mm-hmm. And that story is a man in our church who was at the very top of government in the state of Indiana. And one year he got evaluated. Afterwards, I said, what was your evaluation? Now, this is one of the top seven leaders of the state of Indiana. And he said, the evaluation was, they called me and they told me that they were going to fire me. I said, why? And they said, well, you have up on your bio on the state's website that you are an elder and your church is, you know, Trinity Reformed Church. And you, sh- you, you speak your affection for the church. But we went and looked at the blog of your pastor, and he believes that women aren't equal to men. And we would have fired you, except you do such good work. Mm. Now, that man went on to become the budget director under Pence of our state. But when he told me that story, how do you think I responded as a (laughs) pastor? Now, think about that. What I realized was that the state was gagging the word of God and Christian's confession of it, even in the pulpit. Mm -hmm. Because I knew that any pastor that heard that that happened to one of the men of his church was on a knife's edge of losing his job simply because he said publicly that this was his church. It gags the pastors. So what I thought is ludicrous about the schismatics with COVID Mm. is they've completely rolled over and played dead about the emasculation of the pulpit, the censorship of the pulpit, the loss of Christian preaching that's incisive and to the conscience. They have not stood against that. Now, they would say, oh, yes, we have. But I will just say, look, when the gender-neutral Bible controversy hit, I haven't noticed anybody writing about Bible translation since. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are some guys that are saying, yeah, we're going to put out an antiquarian version of the Geneva Bible or something like that, and they use old words, and that gives them street cred with their disciples. But people have gone along with political correctness, which has censored essential biblical truths at the heart of human life Mm -hmm. and are unwilling 
to stand against that. But now all of a sudden when COVID comes, everybody's like, oh, this is awful. We've got totalitarian state and everything. And they've already swallowed in large measure the most serious attack on Christian faith, which is always word-based. Mm -hmm. It's always truth-based. You know, It's what you will or won't say. It's not whether or not you have a mask on when you say it. You know, There is a growing pressure. There is a growing totalitarianism mm -hmm. in silencing anybody who says that a man who transitions has done surgical and, and hormonal damage to the body that God gave him and the calling that he has. Nobody will write about that. Mm -hmm. They'll make glancing statements and stuff about it. And then you go to abortion, you go to euthanasia, you go to infanticide, then you go to the Black Lives Matter movement, the attack upon law enforcement. And so in this section, we say, we do see all these things. Right, yeah. Nevertheless. Right. Joseph, can you talk for a minute about the way that We've seen that as far as the tech world is concerned, because I think that's another big thing. You know, everyone now sees whenever they look at Facebook or their social media, those little notices that say, you know, anytime anything related to COVID is brought up, we're all taught by Facebook, click here for the real straight story on COVID, you know. Can you talk about that for a minute? Sure. So, so if you back up five years. Mm-hmm. I spoke up here in Cincinnati against a law that made it illegal for counselors to help people resist homosexual temptation or counsel them against transitioning. Mm -hmm. And when I spoke up on that, I got fact checked by Snopes. Hmm. And the reason was because my, uh, the title of my post was Cincinnati to ban the Bible or to outlaw the Bible or something like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, uh, and of course, in the context of counseling, anybody about sexual sin, the Bible had been made verboten. You could not read things that the Bible said to people who you were counseling without being in violation of the law here in Cincinnati at that point after that law was passed. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> mm -hmm. But of course, Snopes said that it was false. Mm -hmm. Cincinnati was not banning the Bible. <laughs> right. Now, from there, you fast forward three or four years, and Facebook is uh, under attack, under pressure because of disinformation being spread. This is long before COVID came along, though. Mm -hmm. This is the Trump and, presidency. Yeah, this was when Trump was elected. And everybody was blaming Facebook for Trump getting elected, allowing, <laughs> yeah, for allowing Trump to, to be elected or for allowing their platform to be used to promote his election mm -hmm. uh, through advertisements and sophisticated social media campaigns that were targeted to particular people to get out the vote for those people and so forth. And so there was a lot of soul searching on the part of the tech companies and Facebook included about what they did wrong and how they could have, you know, done done a lot better. And the, the conclusion that they came to was that they needed to let people know when they were reading misinformation or disinformation or false claims on their platform. And so they hired Snopes and other fact-checking 
organizations to uh, get their fact-checking status on all kinds of links that you might link to when you when you posted something on Facebook. Mm. And I knew immediately that that was going to simply be censorship. That mm-hmm. my my article that I wrote opposing the law in Cincinnati had gone viral, but that if Facebook had allowed its algorithm to judge on the basis of Snopes, that that article would not see nearly the amount of circulation that it got mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. nearly the number of people would have seen it. And therefore not nearly the number of people would have come down to the city council and spoken against the law. Mm. Now that's just one example. You fast forward to all the way to COVID mm-hmm. and that's already long in practice. And so they begin to simply do the same old, same old. And early on in the process, it became clear that COVID was uh, something that if you couldn't technically call it airborne, and they they weren't sure whether you could or not, uh, at the very least, air circulation had a lot to do with it. With the transmission of the disease, yeah. With the transmission of the disease. And there was good reason to think very, very early on that N95 face masks could play a substantial role in limiting the transmission or you're, or you getting it. But at that time, you may remember the CDC and other organizations spoke very publicly in opposition to that, saying that there was no point to wearing masks. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, maybe I can't remember exactly uh, which organizations at that time had already begun to use the CDC and, and World Health Organization as their as their fact checkers or their official truth, yeah, if you will. Yeah. Um, their authority figures. And so they began to censor anybody who said that you should wear masks. And by censor, I mean exactly what they had begun to do, decreasing circulation, putting up notices and warnings that this is a false, that this is misinformation, hmm. um, and preventing, preventing those posts or videos from being able to be seen by nearly as many people as might have. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, a month later, the CDC totally reversed and said everybody should be wearing masks. And all of a sudden, overnight, it became illegal on social media or against the rules on social media to say that masks didn't make any difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that flip-flop is what a lot of the people who have uh, no patience whatsoever for anything from the civil magistrate today focus right. on. They focus on that flip-flop. But in our context right now, we're talking about the issue of social media and censorship Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and social media people think that they're free because they're allowed to say anything that they want but what they don't realize is that facebook and youtube have complete control over who sees it Mm -hmm. yeah 
And Facebook and YouTube use that control to determine who sees it. Mm -hmm. And that is more effective censorship than we've ever had in any government. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you you combine the media's handling of the Trump presidency throughout those four years with social media, you have roughly half of the country uh, predisposed to lack any trust, confidence in uh, whether it's new media or old media, all of it, <laughs> right? It is not, they lack confidence in it. And and then this morning I read that the Canadian, I, I want to say it was the Canadian military, saw the outbreak of COVID as an opportunity to test and to trial their propaganda machine against their own citizens. Wait, so I didn't understand that. What do you, what do you mean? Propaganda is a long-standing military tactic, tool, tool, tactic, yeah. mm-hmm. exactly. But without any instruction from the legislative branch of what the military should or shouldn't be convincing people of, the military just wanted to try their hand at propaganda in terms of being able to convince people of things using psychological tactics mm-hmm, mm-hmm. among canadian people Hmm. and so this is yet another example of and and, and that would be on social media that that would be taking place right that they would be spreading the news using uh and, and this is and propaganda is something that governments like i said have been using and russia has been using against the united states with sock puppet accounts so so you could call them bot accounts or sock puppet accounts mm-hmm. but all all kinds of fake accounts that look like real people that are spreading news that is meant to sow discord and dissension and cause problems in the united states russia wants that mm. and china does it a lot as well in western media and social media in particular Anytime that there's negative news about China, they'll seek to use fear, uncertainty, and doubt to cause everybody to question whether they can believe the news reports about how terrible China is on the human rights front, for Mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. But when you see the government or the military attempting to use it against their own people, we're on a new level. Back in the late 90s. I was the one that got World Magazine to write an article about gender-neutered Bibles Mm -hmm. in the 90s. And that blew up across the evangelical world, and it was viewed as divisive. And now all of us use Bibles that, to one degree or another, have left out the male inclusive, including the ESV. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to hear me talking about this, I know. Mm -hmm. No one. No one, that's right. No one. And certainly not my own family, you know, who published the NLT. But then along comes Donald Trump running for president. He gets elected. And what we watched was revolution by other means, led Mm -hmm. by the fourth estate and tech. Mm -hmm. And from the beginning, they used every means they could, especially the deep state of the NSA, uh, the CIA, uh, the courts. They used everything they could to overthrow the Electoral College. Mm -hmm. And it was an attack, a direct attack 
by the leaders of our country against the rule of law. I mean, and I said it years ago. Mm-hmm. And then President Trump, whether honestly or dishonestly, he lost the next election. And, you know, there's uh, Glenn Greenwald has just put out an article exposing the attack uh, of big media on the release of the information about Hunter Biden mm, and yeah, all yeah. the corruption of J- Joseph and his son. Mm-hmm. And the New York Post showing what was really going on and the media companies, social media, down. they all shut it down. Mm-hmm. Now, people might say that the election was not corrupt. And I would say, well, you know, the jury's out about whether or not he was really elected. You know, certainly the stealing of elections is nothing new. But what, again, people don't focus on is you steal an election when you absolutely blitz a nation with lies Mm -hmm. and you suppress the truth, which is what absolutely all through the Trump presidency, the media, the fourth estate, the fourth estate. In mm-hmm. other words, this is one of the uh, sort of arms of government is journalism and the media. People don't take yeah. it seriously enough. And and so we have all these pressures building. Well, when President Trump was no longer in the White House, the fury of those people who had watched the country attack them for putting President Trump in office was, was visceral. It was intense. And along came COVID. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And right at that minute, you had something. They weren't concerned about neutered Bibles. Mm -hmm. They might use the SV, but the SV, you know. They weren't concerned about the gagging of biblical teaching about the nature of sexuality. They weren't concerned about Al Moore, Russ Moore, and these other guys saying, you know, homosexual orientation is a real deal. And, and you know, reparative therapy, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't try to use Scripture to call people back to the body that, that God gave them. You know, this is what Al Moore, that's what the grace of shame is all about. Mm-hmm. It's exposing the way the churches has gone along with ideological things that the people in the pews don't keep up with. Mm-hmm. And pastors are very sophisticated in going along with those things. And all these people now trying to create schism were not there. They weren't there at the, at the gaps in the wall. But now they sense that COVID is an issue that has feet that 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 can get up and walk that that they can use this to awaken people to the totalitarian state mm-hmm. and so now they're huge into covid mm-hmm. all right yep. and they're not just huge into covid which nobody objects to people criticizing the fact that the government did a flip flop on masks mm-hmm. you know i mean of course go ahead expose it mm-hmm. but it's a very selective thing they're doing Mm-hmm. They're only calling the people of the church to follow them and leave their churches at the points where they know the people are predisposed to follow them and leave their churches because everybody's so angry about President Trump no longer being in the White House, being under relentless attack, and then COVID comes along and it's all the intellectuals and and the people who, you know, there's sort of a visceral hatred for intellectuals on the part of a working man, right? I mean, we all know this, right? right? I always tell people Bloomington is not divided by race. It's actually divided by the East Side and West Side. East Side all has postgraduate education, huge income. West Side works with their hands and has maybe graduated from high school. That's the real division of America. And President Trump 
perfectly exploited that division. Mm. And so now COVID comes along and hey, this is great because it has to do with bodies and who can, you know, we might not understand a male inclusive, but bodies I understand. You're gonna put a mask on my face? Yeah. And so then you've got the vaccines. You're gonna put a, you know, you're gonna put a needle in my skin. You know, you're gonna tell me my children have to have. And so it is the perfect thing for people who hate authority and think that their authority should grow as others decline. Mm. People who are schismatic, people who want to alienate people from the shepherds of their churches. COVID is perfect for all of their wills. People might not care about the fact that you can't any longer counsel someone to be who God made them to be with their body parts. Mm -hmm. They may not care about male inclusives. They may not care that the Bible has now been bodlerized. It's been censored. They may not care to teach that men are called by God to lead and have authority. They may not care that uh, a woman is the glory of man and man is the glory of God. Mm. Okay, I could go on and on with doctrines that these covid uh, agitators never deal with. Now they would say, oh, we have a post here where, and we have said there, but you look at the thrust of them mm -hmm. and it's all at places where people angry over President Trump are prepared to be angry today. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, when you exploit the rebelliousness of the children of Israel to attack Moses, uh, you're never gonna lack a group of people supporting you. you. You just aren't. You find the gap, you find the chasm, you find the division, then you exploit the division and that will give you national prominence and leadership. The second half of this conversation will be released next week, so stay tuned. There's more to come. My name is Lucas Weeks and our conversation today was with Tim Bailey, Max Corral, and Joseph Bailey. Tim, Max, and I serve as pastors at Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington, Indiana. Joseph Bailey is a church planning pastor at Christ Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more great content, please visit warhornmedia.com. To support this podcast, you can donate at patreon.com slash outofourminds. Bye for now.